0: Well this morning as I open with this question, are miracles possible today? I think our answer from this congregation and all who know the Lord is a resounding yes. We have no doubt about that at all. I think one of the greatest statements of this great truth came from Pastor A.W. Tozer and I love what he had to say. Listen to his eloquent words. Anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. That's well said, extremely well said. And we all say amen to that. But there's another question we have to ask this morning. And that is, what are the conditions for miracles today? See, we all know what God can do, but are there any conditions for us to meet? And the answer to that question is found in Genesis chapter 18 as we continue our studies this morning in the life of Abraham. And I want to bring a message entitled The Conditions for Miracles Today, and I would encourage you. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 18 because in this chapter, a conception and a birth is announced to an 89 year old post menopausal wife whose name is Sarah. And you know what she did when she heard this promise? She laughed. And why did she laugh? Because she knew this is going to take a miracle. This is a miracle birth. And she doubted that promise. And here's what God said to her. God said, is anything too hard for the Lord? That was his response. Miracles are possible when conditions are met. Now this morning, we want to look at the first condition. And then next week, we'll pick up with some more that are in this chapter. But here's the very first condition for miracles occurring today in our lives. We have to be in covenant fellowship with God. We have to be in covenant fellowship with God. Let me read for you verses 1 and 8, and I invite you this morning to follow along in your Bibles and listen to the word of the Lord to us. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, "'O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree.' "'Well, I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves, "'and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant.' "'So they said to him, Do as you have said.' "'And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah. "'And he said, Quick, three seals of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. "'And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, "'and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. "'Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared.' And he set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Now, the first thing that strikes us here is how God appeared to Abraham. There is no vision, there's no voice from heaven, there's nothing vivid. Just three ordinary men standing near Abraham's tent. Just three guys seeking rest and refreshment in the noonday heat. Now, to our angels, we are told, if you combine verse 22 with chapter 19 and verse 1, and the third is the pre-incarnate Son of God. Now, how do we know that? Well, verse 1 tells us that the Lord appeared. The word there is Yahweh. And the New Testament tells us that Jesus is Yahweh. We know that because when Isaiah was in the temple and he saw Yahweh exalted, high and lifted up, the Gospel of John chapter 12 tells us that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. And then in verse 3, when Abraham says, O Lord, it is not Adonai. Adonai is a word that can be applied to the Lord, but it can be applied to a human being. Abraham here says, Adonai, my Lord. And in the Old Testament, that is always reserved for God. And then the clincher is verse 22. When the two angels left, the Bible says, Abraham stood before the Lord, the third man who was remaining. Now I want to say to you this morning, this sense tingles up my spine. Here is a mere mortal man standing before two angels and the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say awesome? awesome? This is an awesome scene. And I want to give you a small thought here this morning. We often look for God in the spectacular, but he usually comes in regular people. Our parents, a spouse, our pastors, our youth leaders, our teachers, our ministry leaders. Be careful how you treat those people. Just think if Abraham mistreats these three regular guys, what a colossal blunder, right? And if you have parents, pastors, teachers, ministry leaders who love Christ, God has sent them to you, do not mistreat those people. They are from God. Now here's the second thing that strikes us. This is the only time in the Old Testament that God ate a meal with somebody. That's an eye-opener. This is the only time in the Old Testament God ate a meal with somebody. The next time God will eat a meal with somebody is when Jesus comes and eats with his parents and his disciples and many others. So this kind of table fellowship is unique, special, unheard of. It is highly significant. If we were to take and put a bracket around these verses and highlight them in yellow, it would be fitting. And we ask the question, why here? God was going to do something extraordinary for Abraham that foreshadows you and me. If we are in covenant fellowship with God, God was going to do something extraordinary for Abraham that foreshadows you and me. In fact, the burden of this section is right here, the significance of table fellowship with the Son of God. That's what's going on. And what happened to Abraham foreshadows something extraordinary that God does for every believer who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, let's look at this significance of this table fellowship, all right? Let's begin with the appearance. And the first thing we notice is the Son of God came in a temporary human body. Now, this is the first time it is explicit like this. It has been hinted at earlier in the Old Testament, but this is the first time it is explicit that the Son of God comes in a human body in pre-incarnate form. Now, what might escape us here is the theological meaning of this approach. You see, how God comes tells us why God comes. That's so important. How God comes tells us why God comes. You see, in the ancient world, when two people entered a covenant, they sat down to eat a meal together. That meal was known as the fellowship meal or the peace meal, and it showed that they were at peace with one another. Now, Abraham entered a covenant with God in chapter 15. He received circumcision as the sign of the covenant, chapter 17. What's left? What's left? The piecemeal. The fellowship meal. So the Lord now appears as a friend to say, Abraham, let's have our piecemeal together to celebrate our fellowship because we are in covenant fellowship now i think we all see what this foreshadows for us don't we for believers today the son of god came in a permanent human body and nature i want you to notice the difference not a temporary body But a full human nature kept forever. With Abraham, God, the second person of the triune God, used a body. With us, he becomes like us in every way. And he didn't come to meet us temporarily. He came to be one of us forever. But now, I want you to watch this. The Abrahamic covenant foreshadows the new covenant. Circumcision foreshadows baptism. This fellowship meal foreshadows the Lord's Supper communion. And the Lord's Supper communion fellowships, foreshadows the marriage supper of the Lamb that will take place when Jesus comes again and he will sit down and serve us as we fellowship with him for all eternity. Remember what Jesus said at the close of communion. This is what he said to his disciples. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is an awesome, awesome scene. Well, now let's move next to the announcement. Let's move next to the announcement. And the Son of God announced a miracle birth. The Son of God announced a miracle birth. In verse 5, Abraham said, You have come to your servant. And we all know why the Son of God and the two angels came to announce the birth of Isaac, the miracle birth that would be the fulfillment of all the promises God had for Abraham. Now, here's the question we have this morning. Does Abraham know who these men are? Does he know that this is God? And if we were to say, well, maybe at first he wasn't 100% sure who this was, I'm convinced that he sensed these men could be from the Lord and we have to look at his actions because he took normal oriental hospitality to an extremely high level he begs them to stay i want you to listen to verses 3 and 4 in young's literal translation listen to how robert young translated this And he said, My Lord, if I pray thee, I have found grace in thy eyes. Do not, I pray thee, pass on from thy servant. Let I pray thee, a little water be accepted, and wash your feet, and recline under the tree. That's not inviting. That's insisting. That's begging. And then he uh, prepares for them a royal feast. In verse 6, he tells his wife to prepare three seahs of flour. That's about two gallons of flour. Are, are there any bakers here this morning? That's a huge amount, isn't it? A huge amount. And then verse 7, he tells a servant, I want you to get a calf, tender and good. Normally, in this type of situation, you would prepare a goat or a lamb, a whole calf for three men. The prodigal son got the fatted calf for an entire household. And then he's eager almost forcing them not to pass him by. Five times the text says he ran, or they did things quickly. He ran to meet them. Do you know, older Jewish men never ran. It was considered undignified if you were an older Jewish man to run. He runs to meet them. He ran to feed them. Verses 6 and 7 give us the impression that he ran in two different directions at once. He ran into the tent. He ran out to the herd. He's running all over the place. It's the hottest part of the day. And he's 99 years old. I get tired just reading this and I'm nowhere near 99 years old. And then here's the clincher. He hurried his wife. He told Sarah, get hopping. Quick, he said. Three seals of fine flour. Knead it and make cakes. You know what? I learned very early on in marriage don't do this. Wives do not like to be hurried. What's the exception? When two angels and the Son of God in a pre-incarnate form are standing outside your door to announce a miracle birth, then you can tell your wife, get hopping, right? Now, we all know what this foreshadows for us. Julie mentioned it just earlier. the Son of God experienced a miracle birth for us, right? He didn't just announce it for us. He experienced it. And we call it the virgin birth. And look at it again in Luke 1. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. The what? The Son of God. And the first ones to go see him went how? In haste. The same response as Abraham to a miracle working God showing up to announce a miracle birth. This is an awesome scene. An awesome scene. And then look at the meal. Look at the meal. The Son of God ate bread on earth. Verse 8 says that Abraham stood by them while they ate. The only time in all of Old Testament history. This is it. The only time God ate a meal with human beings. The promise of Isaac is about to be fulfilled. God performs miracles for the one in covenant fellowship with him. But then look at the greater fulfillment for us. The New Testament, through Jesus' lips, tells us the Son of God became living bread from heaven. See, with Abraham, he just ate bread on earth. But when he came for us, he became our living bread from heaven. We all love these words of Jesus in John chapter 6. They are so meaningful to us. I'm the bread of life. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What's the condition for miracles today? It's being in covenant fellowship with the one who is living bread. What an awesome scene this is. Now, there's one more thing that we need to do this morning. And we need to see an application of a great statement made first by Pastor Aurelius Augustine that all of us know is so true. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Why are we studying Abraham's life? Because it's all here. It's all here. The new covenant in Jesus' blood, baptism as the sign of the covenant, indicating cleansing and new life, the Lord's Supper as our fellowship meal the miracle virgin birth of the Incarnation, and the bread of heaven who gives life to the world and peace with God. It's all acted out here in the life of Abraham. No wonder the Bible says He's the father of all who believe. This is an awesome scene. An awesome scene. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you're here today and you're not sure that you're in covenant fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood, rose again, that you might have peace with God, fellowship with him. and be a partaker of His miraculous promises. You're missing out on what life is truly all about. And God has brought you here today that you might see the truth of Christ God's plan of the ages, and that you might repent and turn from your own way, cast yourself at the foot of his cross, crying out for his mercy, believing in his resurrection, his claims to be the Son of God, his exaltation, his coming again one day for all who belong to him. And saying, Lord Jesus, I turn from my way, I turn to you, I trust you as Lord and Savior. Today I invite you to turn to the Savior in that way. Come to him and he will save you. and make you a part of what is more awesome than anything this world has to offer. Lord you are our strong God, our mighty God. None is greater, none is higher. You are king. You are faithful. Your promises endure to all generations. And we worship you this morning. For Jesus' sake, Amen.